Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you, as always, by TheRinger.com, where we have rolled out the NBA draft guide. It is, Tater, have you checked out this draft guide? Oh, yes. I've checked we, it out. The Ringer has. Yes. This is, I'm going to say this, um, and and I mean this seriously, I think this is the best thing we've we've done as a website, The Ringer Draft Guide. And, and I'll be honest, I'm not sure I felt that way. I, I'm not sure if I'd feel that way if I wasn't on it, but uh, I can say that comfortably because uh, I have written for the NBA Draft Guide. So Did you really? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. Yeah. That shows yeah, how much I wrote, I've read. So I, I did not read anything that you wrote. <laughs> No, you're you're probably like everybody. Well, the, well, the part of the part of the cool thing about the draft guide is we have little tabs that it's like, uh, you know, if you if you're if you're someone like Tate and you're just like, give me the picks. I don't really care about anything else. Just kind of give me the mock draft. You click that tab. Uh, if you want like the deep dive and you want like the big analysis from KOC and Sharks and Danny Chow and all that, you can click on that, or you can do like a little in between. Seriously, I love I love the draft guide, but also uh, I, I'm kind of biased because I did write for it. I wrote I wrote three things, and we're going to talk about. We'll probably get to all three of these things today in the pod because we're going to talk about draft stuff and combine and all that kind of stuff. But wrote a little something about Luka Doncic, wrote a little something about uh, Mikael Bridges, wrote a little something about Trey Young. Those are the things I wrote. So um, check out the draft guide if you have not. It, it it seriously is. I like to make a lot of jokes on this podcast. Very. Th- this is as serious as my Chicago State candidacy, Tate. The draft guide is awesome. <laughs> and it's funny because some people um, think that's not serious. So we're, we're right uh, on page here. I love it. I saw. I saw. By the way, I saw some guy linked to me on the uh, college basketball Reddit. So they, someone asked the question. They started a thread. They're like, "Is is Mark Titus really the coach at Chicago State? I can't get a straight answer." And then like everyone in the comments, like no one could figure it out either, and no one can tell if I'm serious. Um, I, and it, I mean, it makes for a fun joke to, to talk about it on the pod, but I'm realizing this is really hurting my candidacy that no one can tell if I'm serious. Or not. Please go in there and say you're super serial. Just say I'm super serial, um, guys. We are also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where Tate Frazier is now appearing on every single podcast. You, you are now going on the NBA Heat Check Playoff Edition, which like we're rolling out these NBA pods like every single night. <laughs> um, you're you're popping up everywhere, Tate. I I was basically asked on there just to go on and talk shit about LeBron James after he had 44 points or whatever it was, and uh, and, and instead I said, "Wow, LeBron's pretty good. I, I think he's going to even up the series." And guess what? It happened. Shocker. Mm, mm, mm. So check that out. Check him out on uh, GM Street. What's going on in the NFL world? The Tell NFL us, world, is, we, we have voluntary workouts, which is uh, the time where everyone freaks out when no one wants to work out voluntarily. And uh, that's what's happening. Tom Brady doesn't want to work out. Uh, Julio Jones doesn't want to work out. And uh, OBJ does want to work out. So th- that's that's the good news. It's so bizarre that these guys don't want to work and not get paid for it more. Like they don't just want to. It's, it's May. It doesn't make any sense. It's May. This is not the America that I know. That they don't want to put in extra work for no extra compensation whatsoever. That's that's insane. I don't get it. Um. Anyway, a lot of great stuff on the Ringer. You guys know the. You guys know what's there. Go find it. TheRinger.com in your URL. Then press enter today. Tate and I on the pod. We're, we we have a ton to talk about. We did not do a pod last week. We we will talk about the reason why there. Um, but we have a lot of catching up to do. Tate, yes. Playoffs going on. Combine happened. The NBA Combine happened. The uh, the draft is coming up. Gambling is now legal. We can mm. talk about that a little bit. Uh, there's a lot to get to. We will do our best to get to all of it. But first, Woody Durham. Hey, It is One Shining Podcast. 
I am Coach Mark Titus. He is Coach Tate Frazier. We are back after a week hiatus. Mm. Uh, a lot of people wondering what happened to us. Uh, a lot of a lot of talk about like, did Titus act? Did he actually get the Chicago State job? Is, did this happen? Where did where did these guys go? Um, I'm gonna say this. It wasn't on my end. It was Tate's fault that we did <laughs> that we did not do a pod last week. Uh, I take full so Tate, responsibility, but it is not my fault, of course. <laughs> right. Tate calls me and he's like, hey, I don't think we can do the pod this week. Um, and didn't really give me a reason why. Uh, the next day I wake up, I see a headline that says a guy, a 25-year-old had for like the past year uh, been faking being a high school basketball player. Yes. So he could live out his dream of being a high school basketball player. I started doing the math. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Tate's 25. Yes. Wait a second. And th- this guy had gotten arrested <laughs> and all this stuff. And I started connecting the dots. It was not you, Tate. That was not you. Yeah. That was not it. But I, I thought for a second it might have. That was that was definitely something Tate would have done, though. You met my girlfriend. You thought that she was an AP bio. You had some real some real <laughs> questions at that point. Yeah. It was. Uh, I'll give you the classic. What had happened was uh, I had to get my wisdom teeth out, and it was emergency surgery. I I was lied to by the dentist. I know the dentist is always someone that you know people turn on in life, but I was told that I had room for my wisdom teeth, all of them to come in, all four. So I was just living my life, having you know everything go like a normal schedule. And on Saturday, I woke up with like the worst pain I've ever felt in my mouth. I told people that are close mm. to me that this was the problem. Everyone called me a baby. Everyone said that, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Everyone deals with pain every day. You know, I'm just being a baby, basically. <laughs> and, you know, I, I went through this and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the dentist just to make sure, you know, and I don't ever really go to the dentist uh, except for the six months that, I, you know, every six months that you have to go, I guess. Um, but I went and checked it's the dentist. Yeah, better than you. And they pull up the x-ray. And this is one of those things where you're praying to have a problem. You know, usually if you go to the doctor or something, you don't want to have a problem. But when you're when you're accused of being a hypochondriac, and people were saying that you're a liar and that you're not in that much pain. I'm like, I hope this x-ray is just the, the the grossest thing I've ever seen as far as what's happening with my teeth. I hope there's like a bone stabbing me in the side of my face. And it was. It was a tooth stabbing me in the side of my face. They decided to give me emergency surgery the next morning. And uh, I proved everyone wrong. So that, that was the best part of the surgery. It's been shitty ever since then. But to be on the right side of history was good. <laughs> Uh, you did, did you did you like tweet out a picture or put on Instagram your your chipmunk? No, I, I never put my face. Dude, out why there would you not do that? Because, that's like you know, that's like automatic. <laughs> that, that's engagement, dude. That's like you, you put a picture out there. The people like you you you, you, you get the ratio you're after. Like people are going to comment, they're going to roast you a little bit. Some people are going to feel sorry. That's how you build the brand, man. That's. I've, I feel, Unbelievable. I feel like LeBron James in the playoffs where there's no way, there's no time ever that I put a picture of myself that's going to go well online, you know? Like, <laughs> like there's no way. No matter what. I, I could be beaten to death, you know, close close to it at least, and people would still be like, look at this guy. Well, <laughs> like, look at his shoes. What a, what a, <laughs> yeah, what, what a loser. <laughs> so I, I refuse to do oh that. I hide behind my nice words. Nice haircut, asshole. I guess you're Thought the guy lived in LA. Can he get a good haircut or what? So oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing that. Um, but you're bad. You're, so you're 100 percent now. Are you? Are you? Are you good now? Are I think we good I, to go. I'm, around, t- I'm about 83. percent That's what I would say. Okay. <laughs> so I, Michael Porter said, are, "Are we? Is this the new mystery? Yeah. yeah. I might have to have Kyle play the music. Well, is I'm, Tate okay? I'm pulling the Steph Curry thing where I'm not 100. percent You know, so if I don't do well, I can just blame it on that. That's what I did on the Ringer NBA show. I went on there and I was like, I'm on pain meds. Whatever I say, it doesn't matter. You That's know, great. it doesn't count. And then, you know, you can just say whatever you want. People are like, well, he is, you know, meted up. So uh, that, that's the way to play it. That's what I'm going to do for the next three that's, or four years. That's a good call. Uh, we, have, we have a ton to get to. Um, where do you want to start? We can start with the playoffs. 
and how March Madness is so much better in these NBA playoffs. And like the first round was great, but then what the hell has happened to the playoffs? Um, we can we can talk about the combine results. We can talk about the upcoming draft, uh, the gambling situation. We can talk about Rick Patino being a snitch. Rat Patino, that's his new name. He was the one-eyed the monster choice. for about three or four months, but now he's a Rat Patino. He's he's telling everybody the to, game. Mm-hmm. I want to get to all of it, but I, I will give the, the floor is yours, Tate. You are the man coming off of wisdom T surgery. I don't know how much, I don't know how much gas you have left in your tank. Like we might get 20 minutes into this pod and you might just run out of juice and collapse <laughs> over there. So I want to make sure we get to what you want to get to first. Yes. The playoffs. Let's talk about the playoffs. Why not? Cause everyone okay. else is talking about it. This is the, the primetime basketball that we have to discuss. My favorite thing about what's happening right now is that everyone is complaining about the blowouts, right? That's the new thing. It's like, oh, this is so boring. I don't want to watch this. This is all blowouts. I agree 100%. And I blame it on the officials. And I feel like we, we have to, there, there's a solution for this. I think we get Carl Hess and we, we talk to him and we convince him and maybe even, you know, TV Teddy. They need to call an NBA game when it gets to this point. Yes. Just to see how many travels they call, how many carries they call, how many double dribbles they call. I mean, the game would take about six and a half hours to complete, but it would also be hilarious just to see how ridiculous it would be. Um, because, you know, people were complaining about Scott Foster and all these people anyway. So let's bring some college officials in. Let's clean this game up. Let's get it back to, to the pure game of basketball that we all love that Pete Maravich played. And uh, we'll see if that helps the NBA at all. But otherwise, it's just been blowout after blowout. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it will not. What will happen is all the NBA fans bitching about the refs will yeah. suddenly be begging for Scott Foster back. They'll be like, holy shit, who is this Carl Hess guy? Jamie Lucky? What? Who, what? who is this guy? <laughs> Jamie Lucky Get gets in a fight with J.R. Smith. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking, speaking of complaining about refs and all that stuff, the, the, the most interesting thing to me going on in these playoffs, um, I've kind of, I finally realized, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, the, the Boston, I got to choose my words carefully because of who my boss is, but the, the, the Boston fans hating LeBron James has been, um, very interesting to me. And and I'm I'm, I'm going to say this in a complimentary way. I I have figured out Tate and Kyle. You are a masshole yourself, so uh, you know. I also don't want to upset producer Kyle Ky- here. Kyle's a, Kyle's a New Yorker that claims the Massachusetts. That's true. Fan base. Right, he appropriates right? the masshole. Yes. Yes. Look, culture. he's so upset right now. He um, just fell out of his chair. But I feel like I feel like Boston fans are the <laughs> only fans. They are like the only thing in. And professional basketball that is like, and 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 I'm going to be way off base. I already know people are. As soon as I say this, people are going to pause the podcast and be like, "I can't believe this asshole just said that. He's so wrong." But I'm just speaking from what I can gather here. Just give me a second. Boston fans to me feel like the only fan base that is like a college fan base mm-hmm. in professional sports, mm-hmm. whereas the fan bases of all the other teams love their team, but the at the end of the day, they're like, you know, I have a job. <laughs> I have I have a family. I understand how professional sports work. Because like, they also guys, have a job. That's their job, and they have yeah, a family, and, and everyone like, kind of gets over do it. Do they yeah. actually, yeah, do they actually, like, d- does Steph Curry actually love the Bay Area? I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just kind of, like, ended up there, and it's his job. We don't really know, but we love that he's here winning us title. What, but, like, in Boston, they treat it like, like college fans do, where they're just, like, out of their goddamn minds, and it's it's – Nuts, and admit, and that's that's why one that's why Boston has not lost at home in the playoffs is because their fan base is like a college fan base and it gets rowdy. But two, I think this is why Boston fans hate LeBron because like as I watch LeBron play, I'm so confused as to how you. 
Yeah, because he didn't go to college. There you go. I'm so confused. As like at this point, I, I thought the, I thought LeBron beating the Warriors in 2016 put to bed all of the hatred towards him. Like yes. the the I hatred, like like the real hatred. I understand the hatred of like I hate how this guy is beating my team. That's frustrating. I get that part, but like the this guy's a bitch. He cramps <laughs> up. What a pussy bitch. Going to Miami to form the super team, little pussy bitch. Like all of that kind of talk. <laughs> But the Boston fans are keeping that talk alive, and it's it was very confusing to me. And that that was the that was the solution I came up with is like they are just like college fans where a guy like Utah, you don't care what the context is. If a guy's wearing a Duke jersey, you're like, screw this guy. Yeah, he's standing in my way of what I'm trying to accomplish. And I think that's how the Boston fans approach LeBron, and that's why they'll always hate him. And so, in a weird way, I sort of respect it. But that's that's the that's the one thought I have on these playoffs. Yeah, even Tupac in a Duke Jason Cable jersey or Jeff Cable jersey uh, makes me upset. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I think that is pretty much the case when it, when you when it comes to LeBron. And I, I think everyone thought that 2016 was going to salvage the LeBron situation. But I think what's happening right now is this whole MJ versus LeBron, which is every single segment of every single sports show, um, where we had Jay including Williams. Including this one? Is this where we're going with it? Is this including this one? <laughs> yes. We're going to bring it up. Uh, including Jay Williams going on yesterday and saying that LeBron would beat Jordan. Uh, he would sweep him in one-on-one. I think he said it would be 7-0 or 7-1 at best. And then people, you know, just lose <laughs> their minds. Like Kendall Gill is like responding in the comments. Brendan Haywood's like going at Jay Williams saying that, you know, he, he played five games in the NBA, he has no say as to what would happen in a one-on-one game between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Um, so I think all that sort of stuff has like brought the, the the vitriol hate back up, you know, with LeBron, where people now like yeah. the, the people that really you know cape for the '90s and and love Michael Jordan more than anything in the world, and I'm one of those people. But that that has brought up the LeBron, and that's why I was trying to say it's not LeBron's fault. Like I don't think LeBron is calling in. To, to first take or telling Shannon Sharp to put on a goat mask and say he's the goat. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think he's doing that. I don't think he has any, yeah. I don't think he's, you know, really cares about any of that. And I think, honestly, he probably tries to tune it out as much as possible. But when all that stuff bubbles up, you know, Boston fans obviously, you know, want to go at LeBron and, and bring up, you know, 2010 and, and, and all that sort of stuff and obviously bring up what they did to him before he left um, in 2009, before he went to Miami. So all that sort of stuff bubbles up, and then the Boston people really ri- really buy back into it, and they just lose their minds, and, and they go at LeBron. But it's great. at the same time, LeBron is having, I mean, I think it's the best playoff run I've seen him individually have in his entire career. That's what I'm saying. And it's, it's his 15th year, so that, that makes no sense. It's absolutely insane what he's, how good he still is. <laughs> yes. And the... Uh, you know, I, I just remember the 2016 finals and like they they win the title and just the overwhelming consensus was like, all right, I guess I guess it's over. Like the LeBron hate is over. Um, he did it. He he came back to Cleveland. He won a title against a 73 win team. They were down three one. Like everything about it was like a storybook way to to have for LeBron to get redemption and for everybody to sort of not necessarily love the guy, but at least put the hatred aside and just be like, all right, I can't deny it anymore. He's awesome. This was cool. This was awesome. And then two years later, we're right back to like, what a bitch, what a flopping bitch winding up the rest. Well, cause uh, like I, nothing was solid. It, it also like, I thought that the, you know, they win the title, they beat the 73 win team. And then Durant, you know, in July decides to go to the Warriors when they go up to the Hamptons and they have their little meeting and he decides to go to the Warriors. And then I thought that that would even add more people to be on LeBron's side where it's like, okay, not only is LeBron just beat the 73 win team, but now they really stack the cards against him and right. he's now the underdog 
And then he becomes even more of an underdog when Kyrie demands a trade and gets traded to Boston, a team that they just beat in the conference finals the year before. So it's like these are two huge things that happen in LeBron where you would think most people would be like, man, that sucks for LeBron. Like he not only loses his, you know, his, his best player by his side, the guy that hit the shot to win in 2016, who who wants to get out and leave him, you know, because of he heard he was getting traded or whatever it may have been. And then, you know, he's got to go against Kevin Durant, who's, you know, arguably the second or third best player in the world every single time now, who's guarding him in the finals. So you would think everyone would come full circle and say, well, LeBron won the title in Cleveland. Now we like LeBron, you know, like he's the underdog. But right. instead, everyone's still treating him like he's well, the top dog. And we got to, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, think, I, I feel like eventually it will come around, but I don't, I don't know. If, it, it may happen later in life, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, people used to hate him early on, especially when he changed his name from Luol Cinder. And then there was like this decade period of people being like, you know what? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was pretty freaking good. (laughs) I think that will happen with LeBron at some point. I think to your point when if the Cavs beat the Celtics and play the Warriors in the finals, I think we'll get back to that point where like everyone is against the Warriors. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I don't think not. so. Um, I don't know. I, I don't maybe know. not. People, Who knows? People, but the Boston— People for, love Steph too for me, it just feels like, for me, it just feels like it's a Boston thing. Um, and, and You're blaming Boston. Boston fans. <laughs> I'm I'm blaming Boston. Well, I honestly like it's kind of it's cool in a way. Like I I wish I wish they'd maybe just calm down a little bit and just be like, damn, that guy's like like the way the Raptors fans feel about LeBron is just like, mm-hmm. man, this sucks that he keeps doing this, but I respect it. Like I don't think I don't think Raptors fans like hate LeBron. I, I even the Pacers fans, LeBron rips their heart out every year, and a lot of them do hate him because uh, just whatever. But I mean, m- m- a lot of the friends I have are just like. Damn, he's 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 good. I don't know what else to say. But like Boston fans, like legitimately think because they beat him in a series one time when he was like however old he was. I mean, the guy's gone to seven straight finals, and like Boston feels like LeBron's their bitch somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the, he's like we made him. He's our bitch. We own LeBron, and he's got. The, and, and, I don't know. And the he, whole thing's hilarious. But it's like it's the one time the the Boston cat like Boston versus LeBron is the one time when I'm watching NBA I feel like I, it has like a college vibe to it. Yeah, and that's why I kind of appreciate it. I don't know if appreciate's the right word, but there's like something to it where it's like you have my attention with this. And it, and it's also one of those things where I think we all thought the West side, the Western Conference Finals was going to be the side where it was going to be super competitive, where we have you know the Warriors and the Rockets, and the you know the Rockets are the best team in the West this year. They get home court even though they lose it in Game One, whatever. We, we that side was going to be the interesting side, and then LeBron was either going to get rolled over by the Celtics after you know everyone thought that after Game the first two games, and now it's like well of course LeBron's going to win four in a row and go to the finals again. So I just want to talk about like how we flip flop after every game. Every single person in, in oh every God, single yes. aspect of like as soon as the Rockets win game two, we're like, I mean, are we sure this is the Warriors team that can win it? Or is this a team that is gonna come up short like they this did in the 2016? Blueprint. <laughs> yeah. The blueprints out there, folks. This is how you beat this Warriors team. And then they win by forty one and everyone's like, This is the Warriors that we know. I yeah. don't well, how does that happen? It's insane. Can we just I, wait? You know, can we just not comment? Just just wait like I a, think, until the end of the series and then we'll all talk. I think most most people that listen to our pod like understand my viewing habits with the NBA, which is like I watch I, I try to watch maybe one game a week throughout the regular season, just one total game. But then the playoffs come and I jump into it. Um but I, I'm like blind going into the playoffs. Like I sort of follow the storylines, but I don't you know, I, I I trust what other people are saying as I as I'm getting into the playoffs, right? And yeah, I'm told that the Cavs are trash. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were told the Cavs don't practice, even though Kyle Korver yesterday said that LeBron shows up two hours before <laughs> practice. That was my favorite. That was my favorite quote of the of the entire finals so far. 
That that because that's been the running joke all season that the cat. You know, every single if you listen to any yeah. NBA podcast, watch any NBA show, they're like, and of course, you know, the Cavs don't even practice. You know, it's, you know, laugh, laugh, right. laugh, and uh, and then Kyle Korver's like, yeah, LeBron shows up two hours before everyone. If I show up fifteen minutes before, he basically makes me run suicides. <laughs> I was like, good God, <laughs> this is a stark difference well, from what I've heard. Well, there you go. I hear, I hear this. I hear like the Cavs are an absolute disaster. You hear that the Rockets might have what it takes to beat the Warriors. You hear all of these things, <laughs> yes. and then like as the series progress, like the, the the Celtics get out to two zero lead, and in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, all the Celtics did was win at home. Like yes. the, this is kind of how the series are designed to go, right? Like the home team wins two, then the then the next home team wins two, and then. And then the series gets interesting. That's kind of like how I'm watching it. But then you kind of like read the commentary and it's like the Cavs are absolutely toast. They have no shot. And it's the same thing like you're saying with the Rockets Warriors where the Warriors beat the Rockets in game one. And it's like the Rockets, here we go again. And then the Rockets win game two. And it's like, or do we? Because the Rockets look great. And then the Warriors just win by 41. And and I say, uh, basically the takeaway is Tate, like I, does anybody have any idea what the hell is going on? Or is everyone, is, is it a case of like the NBA media is, is just clueless with this stuff or are they just overreactionary both? Why is it that no one can <laughs> seem to just be like, let's just wait and see. This is a seven game series. Let's give it some time to, to play out. <laughs> can we let it marinate for like a second? Just let, <laughs> it, marinate? let it marinate. Yeah. And just see what happens. I, I also think that there's so much commentary on what's happening in the NBA, which is, I mean, I, it was definitely a lot different. I don't know if it's just that I'm on Twitter more and I'm more engaged in like what people talk about as far as the sports world goes. But when I was a kid, I mean, when the Pistons were playing and, you know, against the Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals in the mid 2000s, like, I don't think people were like every single game flip-flopping so hard where Tayshaun Prince is the, the X factor of this team. The next game, Tayshaun can't play. They got to take him out of the starting five. You know, I, I don't remember right. that being such a, such a different thing. And I think... What it is is we're so into the weeds now with how we talk about like matchups. Like I saw all these people talking about, you know, Tristan Thompson guarding Al Horford and doing the plus minus when Tristan Thompson is guarding Al Horford versus when Kevin Love is guarding Al Horford. And it's like, I don't Yeah. I mean, of course, if you watch the game, you're like, damn, I really don't want Kevin Love guarding Al Horford. I get it. That makes sense. But instead, it's like, why don't we remember the tropes of the playoffs, which is, well, when role players go on the road, they don't play as well right. as they do when they're at home. And it's like the the Celtics also, the Celtics are playing with rookies and role players, so when they go on the road, they don't play as well. Terry Rozier jacks up thirty shots, and Brad Stevens wants to right. choke him. Like, yeah, that's that's a, a young player on the road. That's what happens. He's a role player. He shouldn't be, you know, expected to carry a team on the road. And that's I, I don't understand how that's forgotten or lost in the shuffle every time. And you know what else gets lost in the shuffle? Tate is uh, making shots. That's really all it comes <laughs> <Yeah>. down. <laughs> <laughs> when the I mean, Cavs make 17 threes, guess what, folks? Right. They're going to win. That's what the, that, it's really like. Everyone's trying to figure out what the, uh, the solutions to all these things are. And it's like the NBA, they, they shoot so many threes. That is basically what it is. It's like the, the Rockets shot 75 threes and they only made 12 <laughs> of them. That's why they lost by 41. And when they shoot 75 threes and they make 46 of them, they win. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I have a question for you about LeBron. Yeah. Um, so the talk is, what is he going to do next? Is he going to leave Cleveland? Most people seem to think the answer is yes. We don't know where he's going to go. Um, my buddy brought this up to me as it pertains to college. LeBron, as you said earlier, for those who, who are just tuning in, LeBron did not go to college. His <laughs> clock, his clock, his four-year college clock, five-year college clock did not start. He did not enroll in college. Mm. Um, he has he has taken money. I don't think he, he, he's a professional basketball player. He can, he can not go back to play college basketball. 
But my question to you, Tate, if LeBron James wanted to play college football, would he be allowed to do that? If we, if we, Could he do a Chris Winkie situation and go play tight end for Ohio State? I think he should. I don't know if he can, but I think he should. But also, what is he ha- allowed to do this? I, I think he. I think there would have to be some sort of uh, committee meeting. Let's call Condoleezza Rice right now and see if we can get this figured out. But I think that he should be able to. After catching that Kevin Love outlet pass, I mean, that's what I said to myself when saying. it happened. Like I think Jalen Rose said it was like Randy Moss, but I mean, he looked like Tony Gonzalez or you know some sort of huge, massive tight like Jimmy Graham his first year in the NFL. Just just this massive tight end that can't be stopped. Uh, yeah, I would love to see that. But what happens if they say that you can make money and play college sports because they are profitable? You know, what if that happens in three years? Could LeBron at thirty-seven go to Ohio State and play basketball and have Greg Oden be his head coach? Mm. That's what I want to see. That, Here's a question for you. Why, why do we, why do we, I don't know if you're joking with that or not, but wh- <laughs> why is there an eligibility limit at all? I, I So I think like in the current <laughs> system, obviously players, once they turn professional, you're done. You've taken money. That's kind of like the whole point of the NCAA at this point is like, you can't take money. We get that. So I'm not saying LeBron, I'm not using LeBron as a case. I'm saying in my mind, any, any college student should be eligible as long as you're enrolled in college. Why not? Like if Javon Carter wants to go to medical school, he should continue. He should be able to continue to play at West Virginia. Why not? What's the downside to this? The, you're going to say, well, he he will be there for like ten years, and that's not fair to the rest of the team. At a certain point, like Bob Huggins, when Javon Carter's like 31 years old, Bob Huggins is going to be like, all right, uh, get out of here. You know, like there there is you're, there you're is t- a certain point where like. You're talking about what already forced out. This has already happened. Javon Carter has been there ten years. He is thirty-one, and (laughs) (laughs) oh, I I forgot about it. Yes, you you were talking about exactly what happened. Good joke. Yeah, thanks. Good joke, Tate. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank thank you. But it is like Randolph Morris, which I I wanted to be the Randolph Morris rule, where you can basically you can be you can dip your toes on both sides and then get signed off a college. Like if Javon Carter, if he was you know going to get his you know if he was going to law school West Virginia, I don't even know if West Virginia has a law school. I hope to God they do. But if he's going to law school West Virginia and they let him play on the basketball team, but then the New York Knicks called him and were like, hey, you know Emmanuel Mudiay's got turf toe and we drafted Trey Young and you know he's not doing too well because he has a six two wingspan and you know Frank whatever his name is Tilakina can't play point guard. We need you to come sign with the team right now. He could just go sign with the Knicks midseason, you know, while he's in the middle of law yeah, school. Yeah, why not? He just drops out, and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go play for the Knicks. What's, There's no what's downside. The downside. There I is mean, no like, downside. Explain explain to me why college players can't have, like, 13 years of eligibility, as long as they're still enrolled in school. If you're if you're still pursuing some sort of degree, like whatever, you get your bachelor's, and then now you're working towards your next degree, and you are in college, why can you not continue to play basketball? It doesn't make any sense, if you really think about it. The, the only answer is, like, because this is the way we've always done it. But if you actually like really think about it, I mean, it doesn't really make sense to me. I know everyone. I know everyone's like gonna lose their minds and be like, "That's the dumbest take I've ever heard, Titus." But I want. I, I challenge you all to stop and think about it. And, and we're, why? We're, why is that? Why would that not be allowed? And we're not in a takes podcast. This is not like takes. If you really think, like, if a guy is really that good, if if there's, a, you're saying, well, if that was the case, then like, what's what's to stop a guy from just <laughs> what's to stop like Josh Hart from staying at Villanova for eight years? And the answer is. Josh Hart wants to make money. Yeah, he first wants to go to the NBA. Money. Yeah, that, <laughs> like he's not going to stick around. It. Yeah, yeah. So why not let him? Uh, why not? Why not let guys play? Um, speaking about going to the NBA and all that, you want to talk about the combine? It happened, of course. Yes. It. Uh, we have combine. We have combine data. Um, for me, the story is this: Tate coming out of Chicago, the white guys are back. <laughs> That seems to be the story. <laughs> it's, no, no one, no one has the balls to say it. No mm. one wants to. They're doing like the. Uh, um, 
they're doing the thing where it's like winners and losers at the combine. Here are my winners: Grayson Allen, Dante Divincenzo, and Kevin Herter. <laughs> well, have you seen <laughs> the, the? Have you seen their stock of sword? There, there's a new version of winners and losers, which I like a lot. It's called risers and fallers. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, okay. that's that's a good one. That that but, but those yeah those those are the one one of the risers is Dante Divincenzo who had the the max vertical leap forty two inches at the combine. That's a lot of inches. That's a lot. Like Divincenzo. No, and I, <laughs> I seriously, the, the white guys like that. That seems to be every every story I've heard out of the combine has been about Grayson Allen, like his lane agility yeah. or his his shuttle run or what like whatever the, the the combine they basically are tested for a presidential physical fitness award from like second grade <laughs> PE class um and Grayson Allen won the award uh you, you hear you're hearing about Grayson Allen's lane agility and vertical you're hearing about Dante DiVincenzo's vertical you're hearing about Kevin Herter like he, he's better than anyone thought and and what why wasn't he this good at Maryland folks hmm, I don't know interesting interesting discussion to be had like why wasn't he an all-american at Maryland if he's this good now um but that seems to be the theme, and no, no one, no one seems to be connecting the dots, thinking like, "Hey, these these are the white guys that can jump high. This is cool." <laughs> <laughs> and it's also funny to me, like as they were watching the scrimmages, like so all this was on ESPN too. It was like a full on broadcast. They had like Woj there, Billis, you know, the whole crew of like college basketball, NBA, you know, trickled over. I think uh, it wasn't O'Connor. There were you know, there's someone there from the ring. I think O'Connor was there. And as they're like talking about all these guys, and they're they're, they're doing these scrimmages in the middle of the game, like Divincenzo would do like an up and under layup. And they would just lose their minds, you know, as if like they, had never, like they had never seen it before, like as if Kyle Korver was out there doing this or something. I don't know. It's like Dante DiVincenzo is a supreme athlete, has been a supreme athlete the entire time he was at Villanova. Uh, this isn't anything right. that's shocking anyone. I mean, he had the the highest standing vertical, the max vertical. Um that, That's just what he does. And obviously, you know, the, the, the whole talk was, will he stay? Will he go? I mean, he was doing the whole test He's the gone. waters thing. But... I think he may come back because I saw Jay Wright retweeting all this stuff about Dante DiVincenzo and like how much, you know, Mikel Bridges, like this is the classic what coaches do now on Twitter where they just like retweet stuff that they kind of just want to get out there. But some guy tweeted like, DiVincenzo reminds me a lot of Mikel Bridges from a year ago. Bridges went back and now he's a surefire top 10 pick. Expect DiVincenzo to do the same thing. And then Jay Wright's like retweeting it out to the world and everyone's like, yeah, exactly. That's what he should do. And I'm like, oh, no. I think DiVincenzo just got himself a top 15 pick. Possibly, you right. know, a lottery selection of some team, you know, like the Clippers or something later. They trade that pick at 13 and they want to take DiVincenzo and take a flyer. Why would you not? He was unbelievable in the national title game. He's obviously got the skills and ability to play in the NBA. He's obviously the big ragu and doesn't care about anyone else and definitely like is not phased by playing against anyone. He's not going to be scared of anyone. Um, I think DiVincenzo has got to go, but I, I feel like he's going to come back he's and that's going to be great for college basketball. No. He's got to go, and I think he is going to. I think he wants to come back. I think DiVincenzo was like, that would be awesome to be the, you know. The he, guy. He came off the bench for Villanova. I want to be the guy. Uh, he he came, Not only was, was he coming off the bench, but like he wants to be the best player on the team. Um, as we know this year, Mikael Bridges was the best player on Villanova this year. So now that Mikael Bridges will have gone to the NBA, uh, DiVincenzo can be the best player on Villanova. Um, I don't know if you caught what I did there, Tate. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, Devin Chizza, I think he wants to come back, but I think like the combine, all this stuff, everyone talking about him, the way he's testing, the way he's playing, all that, he he has no choice. He's got to go. He's going to be like a top twenty pick, is based on what I'm hearing. 
multiple sources are telling me. <laughs> that's also um, that's also my favorite thing that everyone has their their multiple sources that are like live on the scene. Like DiVincenzo will make one play, like he'll hit like a corner three, and then you know they'll cut back to, and it's like well, I've heard sources said that they love DiVincenzo's corner three and the potential he has. <laughs> It's like he just made one three. Uh, the uh, the draft culture in general is like you, you take it's so funny because yeah, like you said, Divincenzo can make like a chess pass and be like, oh damn, you see the way his thumbs are pointing down to the ground, the way he like follow through with that chess pass. That's that reminds a me of Shane Batty, right folks. Yeah. Oh my god, look at that chess pass. Uh, all the guys that are like fringe first rounders going into the process, um, you you find things like that to just to to. to to latch onto, you're like, man, look at the length on this guy. Look at his his corner threes are just unbelievable. You just like find one thing and you try to hype him up and build him up. Meanwhile, like if, if it's a guy who's been a top five pick all year, has been projected to be a top five pick, you you nitpick the shit out of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like Marvin Bagley, I don't know. His uh his ring finger is actually a little bit shorter <laughs> than his uh, pointer finger. I don't like that out of my prospects. I'm gonna have to knock him down a peg or two. Also, it, it's it the whole draft culture is the funniest thing in the world to me. Well, they also do this like really weird thing where Marvin Bagley has now like no matter what he does, he's gonna get compared to Jalil Okafor. Like every single thing he's doing, they're yeah. like, yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen this before with Okafor. I mean, he does have some upside. He has obviously the conventional post moves, but he's got slow feet. And I'm like, no, that is Jalil Okafor <laughs> that has slow feet. Yes. You're talking about Jalil Okafor. That was three years ago. This is Marvin Bagley, who has very quick feet, is like the probably one of the bounciest players I've seen in a long time, is like has a little bit of a LeBron effect to him, is younger than DeAndre Ayton, uh, nine months younger to be exact. Uh, you know, he, he skipped a grade and still dominated college basketball, averaging 21 and 11, ACC player of the year. Uh, he had to deal with Bolden and Carter next to him, trying to fight him for minutes. He also had an injury he was dealing with, but somehow Marvin Bagley, like no one even talks about him unless they compare him to Okafor. That's the only time we hear it. It's like, well, you know, we've seen it before with Okafor. It's like, no, that that has nothing to do with Marvin Bagley. I know that they both went to Duke. I know that they're both big men and that's about as far as it goes. You, uh, you tweeted, uh, was this, was this a, uh, a wisdom teeth? Uh, pain medicine med- medicine situation or yes. not when you tweeted yes. Uh, yes. I forget a couple days ago something about Marvin Bagley should be the number one pick you got just completely roasted by the people by the um, Phoenix Suns fans you like fans. to defend yourself no but I, by I the just, Phoenix Suns fans yeah, yeah I've never been attacked like that day by the Suns faithful uh, you talked about college fan bases maybe the Phoenix Suns fans like around the NBA draft that's like their championship Monday in the same way that the NBA combine is Coach Cal's championship Monday that is the same thing for the Phoenix Suns fans but they were very upset about this because they won't Aiton so badly which uh, I mean I'm fine with I mean obviously like I when when it came out I expected Aiton to be the number one pick I think you and I both expect him just based off sheer talent that he'll probably be the number one pick. And the fact that he's seven foot one and shoots threes and is just like a ridiculous specimen. And not, not to mention he has been in Tucson the entire year, been in Arizona since he came from the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. So it, it all adds up that that would be their pick. That's fine. That makes sense. Sure. Go do that. But I did think the Buffalo thing may have like hugged over, you know, in Arizona, maybe people would take that, you know, into consideration at some point that he had two star dudes and they were just wrecking him and they blew, blew him out in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I don't know. I thought that may come up at some point, but it seems like they're pretty set on Aiden, which is great. I think Aiden's going to be really good. I mean, he's like a Patrick Ewing. We've compared him to Patrick Ewing plenty of times on this podcast. So sure, like take the pick, make it happen. Hold DeAndre on. Aiden, that'd be great. What the hell was that? What? <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I told you to do what are you it's what are you saying? I, that's the, the best part. You can say whatever you want, Mark Titus. The question was, why do you think Marvin Bagley like you you just politician your way out of that? Yes. Of almost course. almost masterfully, but I caught what you were doing. <laughs> defend defend your position that Marvin Bagley is the best player in this draft or I, should go number one. I, I don't even think like it needs the defense. It's it's more of like what it what is your taste? What are you looking for? Like <laughs> just, I, I don't No, like, just like, just it, stop talking. Just hold on. Hold on. Just don't even talk anymore. Just you just do it that way. Just be like like that's that's the internet argument in a nutshell right there. Where you're like, I don't even, I don't even think it's close. Yeah. I don't even think it needs a maybe, defense. Maybe <laughs> maybe if you watch some hey. tape, maybe if you watch some tape, you'll have the right answer. You got to put the ball in like, their listen, court. You should have just tweeted that. Like, I, Marvin Bagley is the best player in this draft, and it's not even close. Yeah, and then you don't it? even don't do not do not extrapolate on anything. Do not offer any other analysis. <laughs> he really is, though. He's the best. It's not even close. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Well, I, I was trying to get into a discussion about this because we, uh, it is funny to me. Yes, please. that Marvin Bagley. Uh. I I don't I I guess I I've I've missed this. We went on the uh, the draft show with with KOC when I was out in LA. When was that? Like in February, March, something like that. Yeah, like three years um, ago. We were talking about that when KOC is not high on Bagley, and it seems like the most of the people. I mean, they're high on him in the sense that like they expect him to go in the first top few three picks or whatever. But that, that's, that's but no the, one no that, one's. <laughs> that's the frustrating part but, about but Bagley, no one's high where, on him. where everyone's like, uh, you know, I don't really like Bagley's game, but every single mock draft has him number three. So like right, right. Of, of, of the top three picks, like usually there's one or two or three guys that all could go number one, but it's all about what every team wants. So if the Suns really want Aiden, sure, the draft's number one. If right. you know, if you're picking number two and the Kings really want uh, Doncic, Doncic, whatever, Luke, I'm gonna call him Luca, the dude from abroad. That that's who we're gonna draft number two. Then Bagley goes three. That means that let's say if the Hawks were picking number one and they like Bagley, they would take him number one. Does that mean Bagley's better than all them? I mean, yeah. If you're judging it off that, then sure he is, but. If he's going to be a top three pick, then he has the talent to be the number one pick. Is all I'm saying. And we've watched exactly. him play, and we know he and does. It's weird, but, but if you say he, it, to to me, he was the best player in college basketball last year. Not even close. In terms yes. of just yes. yeah, just the impact that the, the times were like. If I told you Tate, do you remember that Marvin Bagley game last year when he just went absolutely insane and dominated everybody? I'd say, you which, would say one? which one. Yes. And then even if even if I said that one in January, you would be like, which one? And like that was. <laughs> That was what he did all season, um, and I get that you know the college competition's easier, and and there there are concerns about his game, but like it's it's very weird that yeah, like you said, it's it, he he's he's a surefire top five pick, but yet the, the idea that he could go one is just absolutely insane because there's this 19 year old in from Slovenia who no one has watched play, no, no one. <laughs> can we talk about this for a second? Yes. The Luka Doncic like hype train and how. Listen, if if you have watched Luka Doncic play and you think Luka Doncic should be the number one pick in the NBA draft and you are are buying his stock and all of that, God bless you. Then you're That's from fine. then you're from I, Slovenia. And you're from Slovenia. <laughs> yes. The problem with the problem I have Tate is in my estimation, I don't think there is a bigger indication that someone is full of shit and has no <laughs> idea what they're talking about than when they say they love Luka, Luka Doncic's game. In, in the sense of like like an average Joe. Like the guys who, if you're like a draft connoisseur and this is your job and you actually have been crunching the tape and all that, like I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. But you got these like anonymous guys from, from Raleigh, North Carolina on Twitter with like seven followers mm. and they're like... Really love Luka Doncic. I guess I guess someone from Raleigh, North Carolina, probably wouldn't love Luka Doncic's game. Bad God, example. No. Um, 
You get a guy from Seattle who's like, I don't know, man. Yeah, that's Luka okay. Doncic. It, it has he's to got, be he's somewhere got, like that, that, like Portland. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's got all the talent, man. I, he's got all the tools you you'd want, and he's only nineteen, and like et cetera, et cetera. Th- there's no way on God's green earth that you have watched Luka Doncic play more than like thirty seconds of of highlight clips. You have no idea about this guy's game, and it's so weird that this is. It's not weird. We we know how it happens, but it's frustrating. The echo chamber, the the feedback loop that we find ourselves in with draft coverage, where before you you state your opinion on the draft guy, on on how you feel about a player, you have to first research what the internet is saying about these players. <laughs> then you realize, like in in your mind, Tate, you're thinking like Bagley is the best player. But let me see what the internet like. If 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 you Tate, if you were supposed to, if if you were in charge of putting together your draft guide. You would go into the saying, I think Marvin Bagley is probably the best player in this draft. Like he's, I mean, I saw what he did at Duke. He destroyed everybody. He's almost seven feet tall. He shoots threes. Like, what else do you want out of this guy? And, and, not, and, and then you would, and, and not only that, I looked up the mock drafts from last year. Like, you know, they do like the way too early mock drafts. And guess who's the number one pick, Mark Titus? Marvin Bagley. Exactly. So, how, so you, would, you would, you would have this. You would have this thought form, but I'm I'm going to tell you what would happen is you would you would then Google you'd be like all right it's time for me to put out my draft guide my my draft rankings my whatever my mock draft this year let me let me let me just make sure that I got this right uh-huh. and then you would see that all these people love Luka Doncic and you'd be like oh shit maybe I'm missing something and then it would it would mess with your mind and you would put Doncic at one even though you have no <laughs> idea about the the, the the guy has never played a game on American television no one's seen him play there's I'm not buying it. it's bullshit it's all bullshit. So he might be good at basketball. He might not be. But, like, if you're sitting here and you're a cocksure that Luka Doncic should be number one pick in the NBA draft and you're not, like, a draft guide expert, you're an asshole. That's <laughs> that's my stance. <laughs> stop it. Just stop it. You're, Just stop you're, it. You're lying. You, there's no way you could possibly know that. And, and if that's your approach, then that's cool, too. Like, if you're like, listen, I don't really know much about this guy, but he seems cool. Like, I don't know. It seems kind of impressive to me that he's the MVP of the Euro League and he's 19. I'll listen to that as well, but like these, these these people, they're like, oh my god, his IQ is just off the charts. It's like, dude, you you have watched a thirty second highlight reel, mm-hmm. and then you read what you read what Jeff Goodman said when he was on in Lithuania, which is not even Slovenia, and <laughs> and when Jeff Goodman was in Lithuania talking about the bagels at a Lithuanian shop when he was following the Ball Brothers, he said something about Luka Doncic, and you're like, I don't know, it, the, the whole thing is very very funny to me. It's, anyway, ran over. Go ahead, Tate. Talk it's, now. It's absolutely hilarious that that we've gotten to this point. And it's also funny to me that, like, I think if you're going to say that Doncic is number one, when I push back and I ask you who were the other four starters on Real Madrid and you can't name one other name, <laughs> then I'm going to have some more questions. Guys, you know? I'm looking at his highlights right now. I think he should go number one. Oh, yeah. Kyle Kyle is the perfect <laughs> example. Our, our asshole producer watching the 30-second clip of Luka. It's almost, so, it reminds me a lot of the high school recruiting that we do with these guys where we, we have like some 16-year-old or, you know, we have the seventh Woods mixtape and, and we watch them all at 14 and we decide that he is the next Michael Jordan but he, or the next Derrick Rose or the next, next Russell Westbrook, but we only have like a two-minute clip of his greatest highlight moments, you know, and, and then we decide that yeah. and then we just coordinate them already and if you're doing that then then whatever I will say this I've watched two games he had 15 in one game he had 18 in the other game if is there anything I can say is that he basically runs a pick and roll he has the ball in his hands the entire time he's like a six foot six six foot seven version of Ben Simmons but he can shoot if you want Mm. that number one go ahead take him Take him mm. number one. Do what you got to do. But that's what I saw. But you know what? I haven't seen enough to make the determination that he should go number one, number two, number three, whatever it may be. You know? And that's why I, I don't say that. I think there's a, there's a, maybe the reason I get so frustrated is because 
There's a tinge, if I can use a Brendan Haywood <laughs> there's, term. There's a tinge. Just there's a tinge, a tinge of uh, of like hatred towards college basketball behind people yes. that love Doncic. Yes, it's like that yes. seems to be the sentiment of like college basketball is garbage and doesn't Doncic help develop these kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doncic was doing this in a real league in the NCAA, and like it becomes like that thing where it's like. You, you know, Euro League is so much better than college basketball, which, listen, it is. I will admit that it is. But it's not like, it's not, I mean, it's not th- that much better. I'm, it's not like. I'll tell you this right now. You know, we put we put Dante DiVincenzo over there on Real Madrid. We'll see what happens. I think right. he wins MVP. Could, is Luka Doncic the best player on Villanova? No. This year. He's the third best player. <laughs> I will, I will go down and say that because he's, he's, he's not better than Bridges. I don't think. I don't think he's better than Bridges. I don't think he's better than Spellman. I don't think he's better than – he's the fourth. I don't think he's better than DiVincenzo. I do know that he's better than Jalen Brunson. He's better than Brunson, though. I'd take him over Brunson. Brunson. By the time you and I, by the time you and I are seventy, we're gonna be like, you know, we're, we're gonna be recalling the twenty eighteen Villanova team. Brunson's gonna be like the twelfth best guy on the team. And they, they only have eleven on the roster. We don't um, even include him in the starting lineup. No, but but there 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 really is like a thing of like uh you know like DeAndre Ayton didn't do it against real competition, but Luka Doncic did it against guys who are professionals. Were were. Yeah, professional. Listen, I, I, I don't, I don't doubt that the Euro League is better than NCAA. I'm just here to tell you, John Diebler plays in the Euro League. Yes, Dion. Like, how good can it yeah. be? How good can it be? My God, like John Diebler? Are you shitting me? He plays in the Euro, and he like gets minutes. Yeah, starring. Like, come on, and he's like a yeah, like come on, stop it, stop it. It's not, it's not like I don't know. And you, but that seems to be the 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 point of view is just like I'm I'm always going to ride for the the foreign guy because screw college basketball and what it's become and all that I don't know well, you, that's that's I feel personally attacked by all Yeah of this. and you so can't have it both ways you can't say that you want these college basketball players to get paid cuz it's professional and then say that a professional league is better because it is professional you know can't have it both ways Can't have it both ways exactly um Anyway, did, do I need to walk anything back, Kyle? How did that sound? Am I am I did I come in a little too strong? Do we, I need to like we apologize? Came in, we for, came in hot, but I will say this: if Doncic is the the chosen one and he comes over and dominates, we'll completely walk all of it back and we will apologize to both well, him and Jalen Brunson. I'm not even anti Doncic. I'm anti like and Jalen Brunson. I'm I'm anti uh, just draft, just the whole the yeah, whole it, like it like I said, we're, culture we're, behind. It's, it's not a personal guy. attack; it's a narrative attack. It's not Luca's fault. It's all the people it's not writing Sister about Jean's him. Fault. It's sister, we're, we're back on the sister gene, sister it's, meme. It's the meme. Um, it's, it's the meme, not the gene. Also, like, why, why, like, if you would have, if you would have last year said Donovan Mitchell was one of the best players, you would have been laughed out of the like. Everyone would have. I mean, I mean, we have historical proof that guys who, uh, you know what I'm saying, like guys who are not drafted at the top might actually turn out to be the best player. So, like. If you go into this draft and you're like, I think Mikhail Bridges is the best player in this draft, you would everyone would lose their minds. They'd be like, You are an asshole. Yes. Please never please delete my number from your phone. I never want to talk to you again. Delete your account. But like but we've already we've already we've seen it we see it all the time where guys that are drafted like late lottery actually end up being one of the best players in the draft. Did you know that and, did you know that Michael other, Jordan was the number three pick? People forget. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> the other the other thing that no one wants to talk about with the draft and and the way these guys develop over time is that it, it very much matters where you end up 
everything is situational. The team and the culture. Yes. Yeah. Like I think I think people want to assume that basketball is like the one sport where like if you got the goods, you're going to be great and it's just going to work out and you can just overcome anything. But I mean, if if Jason Tatum goes to the Suns instead of the Celtics, I don't think it's controversial to say he has a different year. I'm not saying he sucks, but I'm saying like he he greatly benefited from like the position he was put in mm-hmm. and. And that's true of like a lot of the guys is like the fit still matters. The culture still matters. What you're asked to do in within the framework, the kind of coach you have, like all this stuff still matters. Like the truly great ones, you could have put LeBron on any team and he would have been LeBron probably, but it's, but some of the stuff does actually matter and no one ever wants to like think about that and, and factor it in as the weather guys like a bust or who won this draft and whether, I don't know. So I, I think the only time that that wasn't the case was Kwame Brown. That was the only time. Yeah, that, when, that was the only time where uh, there there was no hope. Although maybe uh, if someone would have drafted him who didn't call him uh, gay slurs and throw the ball at his face. And <laughs> yeah, and when he was eighteen years yeah, old, so mean to him. Yeah, it made him hate the game of basketball. Oh, that's, a, that's a good question. Would uh would would LeBron would Le, when LeBron becomes um a G? What, what's Jordan's official title? Uh, he was like the president oh, right. of bas- basketball operations. President, when, yeah, something like that. When, when LeBron's a president of basketball operations, is he going to draft an 18-year-old and and Abs- call him gay slurs? Absolutely, 100. percent will, will he go? Will he do it better than Jordan did? It? That's the question. <laughs> um, let's take a break and then we're gonna let's hit some of the measurables because they're just too funny to pass up. Quick break. Get a word from our sponsor. Proper cloth. Finding a dress shirt that fits is nearly impossible. Something is always off, be it the collar or the sleeves. Thankfully, ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier with Proper Cloth. At propercloth.com, you can easily create a custom size shirt in seconds by answering 10 simple questions. Choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, and 500 fabric styles. From classic to business to casual to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want. The team of Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world and only buy fabrics that meet their high quality expectations each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing so you're getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship this is the future of shirts these shirts are made completely custom for you and they are starting at just for a small fee of just $80 stop wearing shirts that don't fit start looking your best with custom fitted shirt go to propercloth.com shining enter gift code shining to save $20 on your first shirt all right, we're back. We're still talking combine stuff. We got to talk about uh, some of the measurables, which is one of our favorite. And uh, a fan, friend of the program, sent this in. He wanted to call it Fat Tuesdays. Uh, so this is shout out to him, uh, Fat Tuesdays. This is post combine. We we love doing body fat percentage here at the at One Shining Podcast. And coming in and first this season, congratulations to Jonte Porter, the other Porter, thirteen point eight five percent body fat, uh, just barely. Just barely squeaking by Omari Spellman, who's 13.75. Um, Jonte Porter, it looks like he's going to go back to Missouri. Um, I think the, the hottest take that has been thrown out in all these uh, NBA draft rooms, from what I've seen, is that Jonte Porter will be, in fact, better than Michael Porter Jr. Um, we, mm. we at this program, of course, you know, may buy into that because of the Michael Porter Jr. mystery, but we also, you know, have eyes. And Jonte Porter, with his body fat percentage, definitely confirmed the fact that he probably needs to go back uh, to school. But that 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 was like my favorite part, just seeing Spellman. Isaac Haas is in third, 
12.55. They're testing Isaac Haas um, with this. Uh, Jalen Barford's right there at 11.65. But then the next closest one is 8.9, Raleigh Hawkins. So Barford, Haas, Bellman, Porter, all in the double digits of body fat percentage. Um, really respect those guys because they're not letting the combine dictate what they do. You know, they're still going to Chick-fil-A. They're still trying to live their best life. So mm-hmm. congratulations, Jonathan Porter. Love the You've fat done guys. it. Love the fat guys. Fat Tuesdays. Congrats to the fat guys. Brought to you by Fat last year, last year at the combine... Last year at the combine, I was uh I was working out a lot during this time, and I remember yeah. being like kind of cock- cocky about it because like I could I, I was comparing my own I did like my own personal combine <laughs> and I compared my numbers. What was your sitting let's reach? Let's just say that let's just say <laughs> my sit reach. Uh, let's just say my my stint in Los Angeles was not good for um, the combine this year for me, and I have I have no numbers to compare to the rest of the <laughs> because I was smart enough to like. Step on the scale, and that was the only number I needed to eat. Um, so I, 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 I'm a little bit on the 13.8%. I'm probably a little higher than the 13.8% of uh, John Thay Porter. But last, last year, I remember, like, I just remember last year, like, my body fat was, like, kind of actually decent. And I remember, like, being an asshole about, like, oh, my God, I got better body fat than some of these guys. Well, we were cackling, yeah. laughing. The hi- Not so entire- much this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This time we're, I mean, I, I, you know, as someone that's post-wisdom teeth on antibiotics, I cannot work out, so it's not my fault. Um, it's the doctor's fault. It's the dentist's fault. Um, but, my, uh, but, yeah, I, I, my I won't thing say about anything. Haas, my favorite thing about Haas is that they did not, uh, he, he basically, from what I can gather, I looked at his, I looked at, like, his stats, his rundown. Haas went there. He did not do any of like the drills. He just basically stood there and mm-hmm. let them measure his like wingspan his and his height, height and his yeah. weight and his body fat. And he was he was he just like basically stood there and was like, "This is what I can do." And then they were like, "All right, Isaac, time for the shuttle run." And he's like, "No, <laughs> I stand here." <laughs> and he's like, "All right, can we get you to like shoot some jump shots?" He's like, "No, <laughs> I am Isaac Haas. I stand here." Um, but no, the, uh, no word on if they. Uh, no, I was gonna make an inappropriate joke, Tate. Oh yeah, I was gonna, say, I was gonna ask. I, I was gonna ask if they tested for anything else while he was there, but oh, um, oh I won't yeah. do that. I won't do that because I'm mature. <laughs> you are mature, and I won't do that. I, I think the good news for Haas, he's the only guy without shoes to be over seven feet, so that's impressive. So that that was good for the brand, and also, you know, he's used to being like I'm pretty sure they made him in Germany. Um, you know, so he's used to being in a lab and being tested for all this sort of stuff. So that's just a normal day for Brother. Isaac Haas. Were there other anomalies that I, I didn't get? I didn't get a chance to like really go through the data like I I like to. Did, did you did you pour over it to find anomalies that jumped out to you? Yes. As far as a yes, Bamba. Yeah, go ahead. Muhammad Bamba, seven ten wingspan. That's been the that's been the craziest thing I think I've ever seen. I don't even. I still don't Wait, even believe what? that's possible. Yeah, Muhammad Bamba from Texas from seven ten wingspan. A seven ten wingspan. How's he not being the number one pick? How are we not talking about that? What? Yeah, seven ten. The next closest what, is Azabuke seven seven. What's your wingspan, by the way? Do you know? Uh not off the top of my head, but I do I remember. I, oh, I yeah. remember when uh, Brandon Wright came to North Carolina. He had like a seven six wingspan, and people were losing their minds because they had never yeah. seen anything like it. And then for Bama to have a seven ten is just to be four inches longer than that. I, I just can't even wrap my head around it. I say that because I I, I stand six foot four. Height wise, yeah, that's how tall I am, and cool. my wingspan is six foot three, Ooh. and it's the most like it's the most agonizing thing in the world to be a basketball player with a wingspan shorter than than your height. Do you know it's, it's devastating? Do, do you know who else has a six three wingspan? Who's that? Trey Young. Ooh, nice. So I, I yeah, I am Trey Young. Awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. 
<laughs> You'll take it. Uh, also from the, hey. I just had someone from the scrimmages. Uh, if if you watch these scrimmages, they're pretty entertaining as far as to see how th- these guys are trying to run offense and everything. And your boy, the Ukraine maker, um, every single other single player, you know, other than maybe like Carson Edwards, who was like zero for six, Shake Milton zero for six, like everyone else is like trying to obviously pass the ball and show that they can like play basketball a, a different sort of way, not just a score kind of thing. Um, but your boy's fee. He took 17 shots in one of these scrimmages. I love it. The next closest well, person well, was That's 11. why he's there. <laughs> he just, he's just why he's there. You, 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 what do you want him to do? Set screens? What do you want him to pass? He's not the Ukraine passer. 17 he's shots. The Ukraine maker. Um, <laughs> I love it. That's, that's, that's what he's out there for. I saw this too. I saw a, a report out of the combine. It says here, uh, Alonzo Trier, Raleigh Hawkins, and DeAndre Ayton are going to go to the NBA draft. Oh, wow. They are putting their names in officially. Yeah. It says here. I, I hadn't heard that. Um, they wanted they wanted to make that clear one one last time before they go. They are they are staying in the draft. So that's interesting. In case you it's didn't a, hear them in March. In case. Or, 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 or March January. again. Or March again. Yeah. <laughs> or February. Or early April. We, we want to um, get drafted. That's what they're saying. Hey, let's. Do you want to talk about Patino or gambling? We got to. We got to. We got to hit both. Of these let's talk about Patino real quick. Um, okay. Your boy Romeo Langford uh, was the biggest news coming out of Indiana. Bloomington is going crazy uh, because Romeo Langford decided to go to Indiana, and it was just because he loved the game of basketball, wanted to play in a state. There's nothing else that that went about with it. But uh, Rick Patino is now talking. Um, as 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 Costello would say in The Departed, uh, he smells a rat, and the rat is Rapatino, and Rapatino is basically saying that there was a bidding war within the Adidas ranks to see who would outbid for Romeo Linkford, and the winner is IU. Not no, not at my <laughs> Indiana. That's not no. It's impossible. Tell you, I've I've it's gone Miller on record. Time. It's officially I've, Miller time. Way to go, RG. No, listen, I've talked it's it's funny you bring this up. It, like, first of all, this is this is a witch hunt. Um, I have I have talked to many people around college basketball. Yes. And the consensus seems to be that my favorite teams do not cheat, but everyone else does. And <laughs> the fact that like no one wants to honor that position is is frankly disgusting. Um that that Rick Patino, like, show me the proof that Rick Patino would just go in front of a microphone and start talking about people that are cheating in college basketball. Can you imagine the audacity to do such a thing, Tate? Like w- when you don't have any concrete proof that this is going on, it's, it's, it's immature. It's Bush league. It's bullshit. I, I, I cannot even fathom the type of person it would take to do such a thing where like, you just, you have like no proof whatsoever. And you just go speculatively talk about college programs that are cheating and dropping backs. It, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And I won't stand for it. And it's not like he has in vendetta, right? Because like, you know, this company, he he had no past with this company. There is no reason to say anything bad about them, right? You know? Listen. Like- <laughs> listen, of course Romeo got the bag. Like, what do you what do you think happened here? Like everybody's getting the bag. We don't need sh- calm down, Rick. We we know how it works. Like Rick. This it just reeks of like I am very smart. Let me explain to you how this situation works. Like we get it, Rick. We know how it all works. We watched you do it for thirty years. Like we don't need you to explain to us how this system works. Okay, I, let Indiana have one good thing. I kind of think. Of course, he got the bag. I think he's doing the Conseco thing. You know, where it's like I got caught, and since I got caught, now I'm going to yeah. become a pariah, and I'm going to rat on as many people as possible. I'm going to throw out every single thing that I've ever had. You know, every single thing that he said about, like, I've never cheated. I've never talked to anyone. Now he's talking about how he had Christian Dawkins at a practice. 
you know, Christian Dawkins, mm-hmm. for people that don't remember the spreadsheets, the guy that got Brian Bowen and all these other people in trouble, like apparently now he was at Louisville practices and he was admitted to practices and now Patino's saying that at this point. So he's completely just, he's putting it all out there. And uh, speaking of Rick Patino, Brian it's, Bowen was at the NBA Combine, by the way. I forgot to bring that up. Brian Bowen <laughs> was at the NBA Combine, um, said it was the toughest thing he's ever been through, you know, this this whole time since he's been, you know, uh, the NCAA will not let him, uh, you know, basically get his eligibility back. He got ran out of Louisville. He went to South Carolina. And now he's going to have to go to the NBA draft and not get drafted. And Rick Patino is obviously not taking any credit for that. So it's uh, it's just great. Did Pitino. he sign with an agent? Yeah, I believe so. I, I, th- I think he already decided oh, that he man. there's no way he can go back. There's no way the NCAA will That's reinstate him. I enjoyed the Brian Bowen, uh, the fun we had. With He's Brian a none and done. That was a good. He's our none and done. It was a great. It was a great run where like every story, all roads led back to Brian Bowen. Brian Bowen was on the grassy knoll the whole time, and like just he he was he was the Forrest Gump of uh, college basketball, where he just like popped up in every single story somehow. And it was hilarious because no one really knew who this guy was. We, we we only know him because he's in the stories, but no one remembers really how he got in the stories in the first place. It was awesome. He was also um, like such a weird recruit too, because like he was somehow a five star that no one had ever heard of, and was still like waiting on his college decision in like May of, of, of last and then, year. Let's remind everyone: Patino called it like the easiest recruit he's ever yes. landed, and like <laughs> they didn't have to do any work. He just showed up. It was incredible. He called it a blessing. The same. The same Patino that said, like, I my players can't have a beer on campus without me knowing about it. The, and then, like... The same man that said Donovan Mitchell should later. come back and that Terry Rozier wasn't ready for the draft. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I love Rick Patino. Did you see Skechers? While we're talking about snitches, did you see Skechers snitched on Adidas about the Dennis Smith thing? Yes. Snitching on a snitch now. It's nothing to tell. Skechers, the shoe company? As if, as if Skechers was in the bidding war for Dennis Smith Jr. and got outbid by Adidas. Could you imagine any NBA player wearing <laughs> awesome. shape-ups? While they're out there playing, dude, that's I could have John Diebler made the league. Yes, that's, yes. John Diebler would wear Skechers for sure. I think that John Carmelo might should wear shape ups. Yeah, John Diebler honestly might wear shape ups. Yeah, in, in Europe right now. <laughs> yes, or New Balance, probably New Balances. Hey, I I want to make I want to talk about the gambling thing real quick. Yeah, um, because it got we should have talked about it on last pod, but you had your chipmunk teeth situation going on, your fat cheeks, your chunky little chunky little <laughs> cheeks going on, um. Do you think do you think we should be worried as in in uh, with point shaving and with gambling now being legal? Do you think this do you think this really impacts college basketball on a tangible level in terms of like getting closer to paying players? Uh, are we going to have more corruption with the point shaving, etc.? I think what because I do, but I'm gonna let you talk first. Yeah, I think the the thing that I'm really interested in to see if the NCAA tries to do what the sports league is gonna or all the sports leagues are gonna try to do, which is to get their hands on the money. And if the NCAA tries to do that, then we have a real problem. Because if they're making money yeah. off gambling as well as uh, you know the likeness of all their players that they have and all this other stuff that we know that they're up to, um, I think that that will be really. I think that will be the last straw. I, I don't. I don't think they're going to do that or, or even try to do that. Um, I mean, it is a federal ban they got rid of, so it will be all in the states. There's a lot of states that have a lot of colleges and universities that are going to have to make a lot of decisions. I think the only good thing is that at least. Uh, all this stuff happens in the underbelly of college basketball. You know, I mean, we can talk about the 50s with Kentucky. We can talk about, you know, uh, there, there's so many examples in college basketball where this has happened, where we've had to deal with point shaving and, and, and all this other sort of stuff. So uh, Boston, Boston College, yeah. Boston College when Bruce Pearl was the, uh, remember when he brought down the, he, he Bruce Pearl defeated the mob when he was the eagle mascot at Boston College, <laughs> and then he took down the mob. 
And then he snitched on Illinois when he was at Iowa, and then he uh, never committed an NCAA violation his never. entire career, and he's beloved at, for bringing the Auburn basketball program back. Good job, Bruce Pearl. Good we job, Bruce Pearl. We love you. Uh, you did it. Uh, yeah, so I mean, all that stuff, I, I do think it it will be, uh, I, I think it'll become a bigger problem, but it won't happen uh, right away because it, it all becomes, it all comes down to the states. I mean, it, Rutgers is the first place to look because it's going to happen in New Jersey, so look at Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> Rutgers is suddenly gonna. Um, <laughs> Rutgers is gonna so win the title the, like the Vegas Knights. I thought this was a huge. I thought the gambling being legal was huge for for college basketball players getting paid. Um, because, like the fight for to get college basketball players to be able to make money off their likeness. You know, the same conversation that you and I have, pretty much every single podcast we do. Uh, I I thought it was a huge step in the right direction because I I can't envision a scenario where point shaving doesn't happen in college basketball. And you're saying that's a very cynical position to have, Mark. Um, when I say the point shaving, I don't mean I think that the mob is going to get involved like it used to work in the old days mm-hmm. where the mob would put like 50 grand on a game and then you tell a guy to completely throw the game. I think what's going to happen is there are going to be players like you're, what's going to happen is like Uncle Carl – and his and his friend Ray Ray are gonna have are gonna go to the the gas station and buy a twenty five dollar ticket and like tell their their nephew who plays for Bethune Cookman like yeah. hey the spread is seven you know like if 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 make sure make sure to if, take at the care end of, the of game, us yeah they're gonna they're gonna be yeah saying, at make the end sure of the game if if at the end of the game if you can take care of us just be you know just keep that in mind it's but it's not gonna be like like the it's not gonna work like the old days where it's like. We, we will pay you this fat stack of cash and we are going to take a tire iron to your legs if you do not throw the game for us. And it becomes like kind of obvious because I, I saw a lot of people like they're not going to be able to, to shave points because the casinos or the, the bookies are are smart enough to understand like when a lot of money comes in on a game that isn't getting a lot of action. Like and then suddenly that game, something weird happens, like they'll, they'll catch on to it. I don't think it's going to work like that. I think. We're gonna we're gonna hear stories about like exactly what I said, where it's just it's small it's small potatoes. It's not necessarily like a a get rich scheme. It's just more of like the players are gonna be aware of the spreads now. And at the end of the game, like basically what I, the point I'm making, Tate, is the walk ons are gonna suddenly be the most valuable guys. <laughs> yeah. And you can't you can't convince me that like that's not gonna like if you're a basketball player, you're not gonna take some of that money. Like of course it's illegal, but to 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 fix games, but if it's no longer legal to gamble, or it's no longer legal to gamble, that kind of makes it so much easier to to fix. I think when you hear about like fixing games again, you think of like some organized crime syndicate mm-hmm. operation that's just like very elaborate and and dark. I don't think it's got to be that. I think now it's like your uncle again just kind of puts a small bet and he's going to give you 50 bucks of that and and maybe that spiral i don't know i feel like that's going to happen a lot more and that's the that's the lightest version of that but then you have like the blue chips happy version of that which is like some big booster you know convincing a couple freshmen to to point shade because he has a you know a big big pot on whatever the spread may be in this game when they play indiana you know what i mean like there's that's like the darkest darkest side of that and then there's the light side it was like an uncle who's like yeah you know i bet the money line just make sure to make it happen I'm saying now that you've made it easier for everyone to do it like what what's the saying don't break the law while you're breaking the law mm-hmm. like that used to be the thing so like you, you would have the I guess like the, the the response to this would be well it's still illegal to to fix the game so people that were going to do it are still going to do it to which I don't think that's necessarily true because of that that like you don't want to break the law while you're breaking the law thing you're, you're not trying to you're not trying to gamble illegally and also fix games illegally like that's why the people that did that were just 
the, the mobsters and like the, <laughs> yeah, the, the they, they career the criminals. Mafia, yeah. <laughs> but now like you can gamble legally, so like there's nothing wrong with that. And then like the one illegal part, I don't know. Maybe maybe I maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just like trying to think of like scenarios. It, 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 when people again, you hear point shaving and, and all these scandals, you think of like the most heinous shit. But I don't think it's got to be that. And to me, that's terrifying. If I'm the NCAA, because I mean, how do you turn that down if you're if you're a college basketball player that's getting paid nothing? And someone in your family is like, hey, I'll give you 10% of whatever we win mm-hmm. if you guys win by – if instead of winning by 26, when you play this shitty team tonight, you win by 21. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Or, or it could be it could be the other way. It could be like, hey, when you guys are up big, don't don't let off the gas. Just, like, keep trying to kill them so we cover the spread. Make sure you – I don't know. And, and it'll be interesting, too, to, like, see what happens when all that stuff is known, like, after the game. You know how coaches will sometimes make little subtle jabs and subtle comments after the games? If someone gets blown right. out by 45, you know, uh, there's some some of these small teams, like you brought up Bethune. Like, what if Santa Clara and his Julius Hodge uh, sitting next to Herb Sendek and he, and he makes a comment about them getting run out of the gym by some team? You know, and, and points right. to the spread. Like, what what is the what is the reaction to that? And and like, who is actually in charge of dealing with that? I mean, there's just so many little intricacies that'll come into it. And uh, yeah, it, it could be a major problem. But I I also think it could be really good for women's basketball because I think it makes people have interest in it, where they they'll just bet games, like you know, for the, the first time. Will Will UConn cover their seventy five and a half point spread <laughs> yes. tonight? I don't know. I don't know. It'd be fun to watch. Get your that. bets in now, folks. <laughs> I'm gonna take playing, UConn money line minus five hundred. They're playing the number four team in the country, so it could go either way. Will they cover seventy five and a half or not? I don't know. It's a, <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm being cynical and being. Uh, but again, like I don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's out out of the realm of possibility. That's why I think like I think college basketball is one of the most. If you're if you're trying to think of of situations in which games would be fixed, college basketball is the obvious answer. Where these guys. Especially now, they feel entitled to the money. Like just the overall general public outcry of these players not getting paid, that is seeping into the college basketball programs. All of these players know what's going on mm-hmm. in terms of the the tug of war with should players get paid or not. And they, they sort of like become empowered by that and think like, yeah, I do deserve some money. I do, you know. Wait, wait. And that's why that's why guys are going pro. That's why guys are declaring for for an NBA draft, they're never going to have a chance of being drafted in. It's because they just like you, you get whipped up into this frenzy of like I deserve money, I need money for my abilities, and I it, I don't know. I feel like that that is going to affect college basketball, the gambling thing, and there will be some minor weird situations that happen here and there that aren't like you don't need to necessarily launch a federal investigation to take down some crime syndicate, but I I think there's going to be a little bit of fuckery going on and. I don't know. It's it's interesting. So, and I will say this: like for someone that's you know where I'm from, I mean, I had no idea about what what the like growing up playing basketball. None, nobody I ever played with, even getting to college, like no one even knew about lines, and no one even understood any of that stuff. You know, so it does come down to sometimes like conditions. Like, sure, if you're in New Jersey and you're close to Atlantic City, you understand that stuff a lot more than you know some of these kids from rural hometowns and you know they go play basketball, college basketball. They're just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So I think there is a little yeah, bit of that too. And as you normalize it, as as gambling becomes legal, it's, it's already become normalized. Like the app I use, I use the Score Mobile app on my phone. They have the spread on every single thing. Mm-hmm. I don't, you can't actually like bet on the games from that app, but they just show the spread just because they know people care about that stuff and yep. it's interesting. And as that stuff becomes normalized, like the players are going to know what the spread is and whether they're actually actively, whether it's like a conscious decision to fix the game or not. Like I think some small part of them, it becomes it's going to become part of the discourse where it's like, yeah, man, Duke Duke is a great team this year. They've covered the spread the last twelve games in a row, and then game thirteen, 
I mean, you're not going into that game. The players are going to know the spread. Like, there's going to reach a point where like the players do know the spread, and maybe they're not actually shaving points or whatever. But there's like a pride thing that takes over where it's like, we we get we got to like you know we got a little streak going. We've we've mm-hmm. covered twelve games in a row. We got to cover again tonight or I, like all this all these little things that go into it. That's probably. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know the the legal gray area of it all, but I think it's definitely going to impact college basketball a lot. Maybe more so than like all the other sports in terms of the fixing of the games and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's interesting because I don't really think. Um, I, I feel like most people don't think it's really going to matter that much. And I, I I don't really I don't gamble, so maybe I'm missing something here. But it seems to me like it it'll be a big deal. But I don't know. I'm, I'm also an idiot, so especially state by state. When it goes state by state and you're playing these teams, or if you're, if you're in the ACC and you're going up to Boston and Massachusetts, it is legal, but it is illegal in North Carolina. You know what I mean? Like you just got, there's so many right. gray areas right. as far as like what is legal and, and what isn't legal now. And I don't know, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a major headache at some point, but uh, I think we're about like three years away from that, but we're, we're just getting ahead of the times. Anything else before we go, Tate? Uh, nothing else. Uh, happy birthday to Dre Bly, one of my favorite people in the world. Dre Bly, great uh, defensive back. He's the man. Happy birthday to him. And uh, I will say, as far as uh, the wisdom team thing, for anyone that has to do that, it's the best time of your life. I've watched at least 25 <laughs> movies. I finished Wild Wild Country on Netflix. If you want to go check that out, it's amazing. Um, I read a couple books. It was the best time of my life, Titus. It was the worst of times, but Tate, also the best uh, of times. I just want to let you know your your prescription for your painkillers is going to run out at some point. So just <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> there is an end. There is, there is an end to this. Yes, <laughs> yes, there always is. Uh, the last thing, just because everyone keeps asking me about it, um, nothing tangible with the Chicago State update. Uh, I did see that they. I, I saw a report that they are considering or whatever, whatever the terminology was. Um, this upcoming season might be their last season in Division One, and then they're going to go down to Division Two. Um, and to that I say, what better man to lead you to a demotion than yours truly? Mm. Like that is what I was born to do: is to help teams take a step down. <laughs> um, so there's that. the The only other story, Tate, is a. Uh, do you know who Kyle Snyder is? Kyle Snyder. It's okay, if you don't. No, I don't. Yeah, he, so he's a he's a he's, he was a wrestler at Ohio State. He just graduated. He is a. He won the gold medal. He was is the heavyweight wrestler at Ohio State. He won a gold medal in the Olympics. Oh, I'm at he's him right like now, yeah. Youngest world he's like the champion. Be- yeah. He's like the best wrestler pound for pound in the world. Um, he uh, uh, He's like the best athlete Ohio State has had since Jesse Owens. Um, anyway, he's like a huge deal. He goes to my church, right, in, in Columbus, and um, he follows me on Twitter. So I, I took that as a sign that he might know who I was, and I saw him at church a couple weeks ago. I think it was, yeah, two weeks ago, right? And I wanted to go up and talk to him, but then uh, he was kind of getting hounded because he's – super famous around Columbus, Ohio for all the reasons I mentioned. Um, so I was like, well, I'll, I'll let him be. I'll, I'll, and, and my, my solution was later that day, I slid into the DMs. I was like, hey, man, saw you at church today. Just wanted to say congrats on a great career. You know, I, I did the adult thing. Yeah. If I can if yeah. I can pat myself on the back. Yeah, Where I was like, hey, hey, old, hey, old youngster, really appreciate the way you represented my university and all that stuff. So I said that. And the point of the story is that he responded um, with – Thanks, Coach. I really appreciate it. <laughs> oh yes, please. And I got to screenshot say, that and send it to Chicago State right it now. Felt, it felt so right. It feels like like every other person that has called me coach has done it in like a a backhanded like jokey way, but that one was genuine. I really in that moment. I mean, first of all, I knew I realized he has no idea who I am, um, and he just follows me probably by accident. But 
just to read it, just to, just to kind of envision that whole thing play out where he was like, thanks, coach. It just, I don't know. That, I, w- I wanted to share that take because it felt so right. Like I felt in that moment, I was like, this feels right. So uh, it felt yeah, right. That's it. it. So gold. I'll say that. Basically, a gold medalist thinks I'm a coach as well. Um, I am from the Brad Stevens coaching tree. Yes. We are not giving up. Uh, I, I, I'm in a position, Tate, where it's like, as you know, I like to, I like to liken sports to relationships with women because I am simple minded, and, and that's the only analogies I can make as a, <laughs> as a dumb, simple minded man. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like. I have been pursuing a woman for a little while and she has basically stonewalled me and I am still interested in her, but now I am starting to have a little pride myself. So it's like, listen, I'm not going to beg you for this, Yes, but I am going to let you know that I'm standing right here waiting when the time is right. So that's kind of where we're at now is like, I'm done begging, but, uh, we're, we're still holding out hope. So there you have it folks. And I'm not too proud to beg. So please give us the job. (laughs) We, we, we are not giving up. Um, that's it. We'll be back next week. Anything else before we go, Tate? No, that's it. I uh, I wanted to say, I, I, is Kyle Snyder going to be like in the WWE? Or is he a wrestler? He's not a wrestler. He's a wrestler. You know, he's a he's a wrestler. He's, he's got a the, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he will. Maybe I'll talk to him. He's a he respects me. He called me coach. Yes. It's like it's like when you met Dan Dockage for the first time and you called him Mister Dockage. He'll love me forever, <laughs> Mister Dockage. <laughs> Which is a whole nother story. We got uh, I'm going to Indy for the 500 this weekend. By the way, I'm supposed to grab dinner with uh, Coach Mata. He he lives in Indy now. Oh um, man, I'm I'm saying that because. Uh, when are we gonna have guests on this podcast? Because I, I brought up the idea to him, and he he was like, "That sounds awesome." So let's so, do it. We've been teasing this for a while. We need to start having some guests on here. Well, maybe so, we'll do, yeah. We'll, in in Dockage, and it'll start now. It's I have so much more free time now. It'll start now. We'll just keep teasing it until it'll, <laughs> the year will be twenty forty two, and we'll be like, "Yep, gonna have these guests on any day now." It's gonna happen. And it's Kyle Snyder. Um, all right, preach. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, as always, um, we know now is not really a huge college basketball time of year, but Tate and I have we have a lot of takes. We have Luka Doncic slander to be thrown out there. So uh, appreciate you guys listening, subscribing, telling your friends. Follow us on Twitter at One Shiny Pod at Tate Frazier at Club Trillion, all that stuff. Um, we will see you next week. Save the crew. Before we go, one last word from Proper Cloth, the leader in men's custom shirts. Are you having trouble finding shirts that fit? If so, go to propercloth.com. Ordering custom shirts has never been easier thanks to Proper Cloth. Create your custom shirt size by answering 10 easy questions. Shirts start at $80 and are delivered in just two weeks. Perfect fit is guaranteed. If a shirt does not fit, they will remake it for free. The whole process is risk-free. For premium quality, perfect fitting shirts, visit propercloth.com slash shining and use gift code shining to get $20 off your first custom shirt today. If my math is right, 80 minus 20, that's a $60 shirt made perfectly for you. Propercloth.com slash shining. Use the code shining, $20.